This is how to become a pro wrestler with myself, the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, and this podcast would not be possible without the amazing support of our patrons. So I want to give them a shout out right now. If you're tier three or above, you know the drill. You get shouted out by name. Thank you to James Malley, Ian Downey, Ian Callan Lees, Joe's mum, Kirsty Bailey, Chris McCulloch, Gordon Brown, Ben Wackett, Adam Wilson, Mark Leslie, Jack Godfrey, Ant191, Laura Baird, Brian Smith, Daniel Betancourt, Jamie Flood, James Pointer, Kieran Prophet Holmes, Barbara Good, Will Ledwith, David McCarthy, Fiona Edge, Ross Wilson, Jordan Schofield, Barry Carruthers, and James Weiss. Thanks for the support, people, and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry here, and welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Um, apologies for the delay in, in schedule. We didn't have an episode last week, and um, that's because um, I was lucky enough um, to A, be traveling the world, living my dream as a pro wrestler, but also got the opportunity to go on a four-day holiday, um, which is something, I think, like I say, I went to Iceland for a few days um, in my 20s at some point with my family for a sort of family thing. But this is the first time as an adult I've, I've had a, a holiday, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong, I've had an amazing opportunity to travel the world and that kind of, you know, it's a working traveling environment so i'm very blessed but it was cool and different to be able to uh go somewhere uh with no work involved just to relax and have fun and, and all that so that was awesome so we decided to to take the week off so that is the the reason for the the gap in schedule so thank you for your patience uh, this week i want to talk to you about something um, and I'm going to call this episode probably something like when a plan comes together um, and the reason is because you may remember when I kind of started doing this podcast, I kind of put myself out there and the goals that I wanted to achieve and what I was working to to try and make that happen. And um, basically, it was difficult because I wanted so badly to tell my fans that I had achieved my goal, which was to... Um, to get a, a, a deal. That that was my goal. I wanted to be signed to a major organization. Uh, I felt like that was the next uh, step for me and to get my visa and to be able to work in America. That was the next big goal. Now, when that when the, there's a, a big uh, gap between when, you know, a deal is done verbally, when it's, it's written into a contract, and then when you get your visa approved and all that. Because if you don't get your visa, then you're, you know, you're not going to be of any use um, wrestling in America. So it was all kind of dependent on that. So it was really difficult doing this podcast because I had actually achieved what I set out to do. And that was a huge thing for me. And I wanted to share that with you, but I needed to show respect to the the um, business dealings that were going on at the time. But now I can kind of speak about that and tell you how it feels to actually have a big goal like that, to work towards it and to finally achieve it. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit today because one thing I've been very poor at in my life, and this is something I encourage you to get good at in pro wrestling, is set yourself small goals, set yourself big goals, and this was a huge goal, and I achieved it, and I didn't actually really take a moment to celebrate reaching it because, you know, when you start with with a new company, you've got new goals, you've got new challenges to overcome, you've got new things to focus on, and so your momentum... In, in your mind shifts and it changes because you're no longer thinking about getting to that point because you've reached it. You're thinking about what is the next goal. Um, now, sorry, I'm just keeping an eye. I've got the door open here um, to keep an eye on what Gromit's doing. 
you may have heard he had he had an unfortunate accident. I think well he's fine though. He's absolutely fine. But I think we'll cover that in more detail on uh, the Joe Henry show, which is my other podcast. But anyway, um, I digress. Getting back to the point. Um, I saw some pictures the other day of me on the WS tour. That's the World of Sport tour in January, I think. And I'm just, you know, totally out of shape. Totally out of shape. So when I saw the difference between myself then and the shape I got myself in for my Ring of Honor debut, it really um, put into perspective the hurdle that I'd managed to overcome. But yes, I, I encourage you as pro wrestlers and or people in business or whatever your goal may be, I encourage you to take stock take a second, think about the things that you've done. And what I wanted to do was go out for a meal with my family to celebrate that this had happened. And I didn't uh, do that. Again, because I was so busy getting the videos ready. And, uh, you know, here's another thing that you need to understand, all the work that goes into a debut. But I'm thinking now I might try and arrange a family meal because I really do need to mark this occasion. And I should have done that. So my advice to you is if you set a goal, no matter how big or small it is, if it's a small goal, have a small celebration. If it's a big goal, have a big celebration like I'm talking about. Go for a meal with your family and just reflect on it and stuff like that. If it's something small, um, you know, maybe you might treat yourself to uh, a Domino's pizza or something like that or whatever it is. But just whenever you achieve something, you really have to give yourself a break and give yourself a little pat on the back sometimes because as pro wrestlers, uh, we're we're at the end of the day, at the end of the day we're entrepreneurs we tend to be pretty hard on ourselves um, and you know what if it's just all grind and you're not taking a second oh my goodness let me just uh, we're getting some uh, subs coming through here so let me just uh, turn down the desktop audio there we are but thank you to the subscribers that came through much appreciated um, let me just fix the mic here. So, because when you, let's say you have a goal, which is to get into a certain wrestling company, right? Let's just say as a pro wrestler, you do that. If you achieve that, if you don't celebrate it and then you go have your debut, you're now no longer even thinking about the past and what it took to get to that point. You're not reflecting on that because you've set a new goal and you're focused on that one. And the last thing you want to do is celebrate because you're so focused on achieving your goals and making it work. So if you're a particularly driven person like I am, and hopefully you are because you'll probably need to be to be a success in pro wrestling, celebrate the victories. If it's a big victory, big celebration. If it's a small victory, small celebration. And that is a piece of advice that I've never, ever been able to follow. But um, I'm, I'm going to take a second here. Another reason I'm going to take a second is because, like I say, you may have heard it on this podcast. We started, like I started my own training school, edinburghwrestling.com, um, which was basically... Um, it was a market test, if you will, to see if this was going to be viable, and we sold it out. We have 20 amazing students, and it was completely, we were, we were all blown away. Me, Dave, Lewis, and, and Jake were there, and we were just, we were blown away by the quality of the the students that we had. We were just thinking about it. Dave, I was talking to Dave on the phone, he was like, you know, I just couldn't quite believe how A, positive and uh I'm trying to think of the word here, but basically good students, you know, they, they were energetic, the energy in the room was high, they were listening at all times though, and they were putting in the effort and trying their absolute best, um, but everyone was doing everything and giving everything a go, and because we had the three coaches at the same time, we had three crash mats, we had this huge space, which is like a massive sprung, uh, like 
floor that mimics a wrestling ring but it's a little softer to bump on rather than having people wait we could get everyone in the ring at the same time which was incredible that is a rarity and two seconds we're gonna have to grab it out out sorry folks grab it out go and chill he does actually understand what chill means he does know that he's not obeying uh what chill means but right now he is uh tearing to pieces one of his uh toys which is like a, a kind of pheasant-style toy, which sighthounds love. But anyway, off-topic. But yes, so it started our own training school. It was a really bold move, and that's something I need to celebrate as well. We've sold out. We've got 20 students, and the first week was absolutely amazing. Also worth noting that what we're going to be doing is documenting the process uh, from start to finish as we go. So you guys are going to get a chance to see who our students are, what they're all about, what their goals are. And if you've ever thought about doing that yourself, that is going to give you an amazing insight into what it takes. But that's another thing I need to celebrate because I just I was blown away by the response that we had. And it's really made me think, you know, maybe we can look at doing uh, more classes. You know, maybe we could take this to the next level. You know, what... It's just a very exciting time, and I was blown away by the quality of the student we had, and you guys are going to get a chance to meet them. We might even have some of them on the podcast. That could be a really cool feature, actually, I think, uh, because I think if you're listening to this podcast, How to Become a Pro Wrestler, and if you are an active pro wrestler, I get some messages that people say you get something out of it, but if you're, if you're even just thinking about it, or you want to just take lessons from this podcast and apply it to other things, I think it would be good to get an insight into what it's like to train with myself and to train with the team and to see the direction that we're taking it in. But I'm looking forward very much to showing you uh, everything that's going on. So, um, again, yeah, the, the main part, the main point I wanted to get across there earlier on was just about making sure that you celebrate those victories because it can be very mentally tough. Uh, another thing I want to talk to you about is with my uh, Ring of Honor debut, there was a tremendous amount of work that went into it. Um, you may have seen I got a, a basically a custom uh, jacket made. Well, it was a custom vest. It was a custom jacket, but the arms, um, we couldn't basically get it on without me having to... It just... It, it was a bold idea, but the gold jacket, it just functionally wasn't working. It needs uh, a, a, a bit of work to get that to where it needs to be. So we tore off the arms and made it a vest and just there, there we were. We went forward with that, but that was looking awesome. That that took a lot of work um, with the, 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 the person who made that. Uh, there's a lot of kind of back and forth and uh, tough decisions and there's a lot of thinking and thought that went into that. Uh, also, like we had kind of brand, brand new wrestling gear and stuff like that. I had to make the new song uh, the new entrance song. So you may have seen the hype video that we made for ROH. That in itself was a huge task. We actually made the kind of epic movie style music from scratch. Uh, it's me and a guy called uh, Neil that you'll sometimes see um, commenting on some of my stuff. Uh, but he, you know, working with him has been amazing. Um, we did the, the theme song, which was basically the idea was I knew that I needed to, to change things up because the ICW Me and You song, I kind of recycled that for ICW, for War Culture, for uh, ITV, for Impact. And I thought to myself, you know, if I, I think I was afraid to move on from that song. And the weird thing was, um, that song literally took me about 10 minutes to write. I remember it was in 2013. 
I went through the room. I had we had guests over, and I just said, oh, "Listen, I got to write this thing." And I went through the room, and I came back ten minutes later, and it was done. And you know, that's not bragging or anything. That just means like sometimes when you're in the zone, these things just tend to happen. Where where I find the times where I'm sitting down for hours at the keyboard or the guitar, and it's difficult those ones never tend to be as good. It tends to be the stuff that happens quickly and easily, and that's exactly what ICW Me and You was. Wrote the song, performed it live at uh, one of the ICW shows, and then uh, the next step uh, became, you know, getting into my friend's studio and recording it properly and all that sort of stuff. But I recycled the same audio that was used from the ICW version for, for World of Sport, you know, um, and Impact. It was the same guitar tracks, the same drum tracks. Yes, I changed the vocals, I re-recorded them at home from time to time, but it was the same song. And again, someone who I do take a lot of inspiration from is Chris Jericho. Um, and I think to myself, look, if he, if, if, and I used to think to myself, oh, well, the ICW song, that's it. I've nailed my entrance song. Why would I ever need to change it? And I think that was kind of a bit of a, a lack of confidence there, I guess, in, in my abilities. You know, when I used to be in a band, I would think, oh, well, I'll never write something better than that. I'll never do that. And it's like, you can't think like that. I used to compare myself to other people and go, well, most bands, you know, best stuff is their first album. And it's like, no, you, you have to get into that Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails um methodology which is like basically you're not trying to make the best thing ever you're just trying to make something good because when you try and make something that's the best song ever or perfect you're never going to do that it's putting an, an impossible pressure on yourself so all you need to do is is ha go in with a goal and make something good now if you've ever seen the making of uh, nevermind by nirvana and forgive me but i like to use a lot of kind of music metaphors for things that i see um in wrestling and there's actually another clip i will get from from something completely different from a guy called john taffer from bar rescue which is my favorite new show which i'll get onto later but on this nevermind documentary uh, so it's nirvana's making of nevermind they were saying look we didn't at any point have any idea how big this album was going to be we didn't know it was going to be one of the the biggest most kind of revered albums ever we just thought it was good we thought it was really good you know there, there was really no no partying really no messing around uh, we were very focused musicians the songs were good we knew they were good uh, they were produced well we recorded them well we knew we'd done a good job and it was a good piece of music you know, and that's the thing. I think when you go in with the intention of creating something good, then you can kind of, uh, you can surprise yourself. And I think that's true with any artistic pro uh, projects. It's better to under-promise and to over-deliver. And that's what I kind of did with the Ring of Honor music. And I think, based on the response, it's not been uploaded to YouTube yet. I'm working on that. Um, hopefully, we can get that done soon. But I think it might be one of, if not the best uh, entrance songs. And I don't mean like a, part of the entrance or a custom entrance but i mean like just out of all the stuff i've done whether it be the icw me and you or its various versions of it or the the prestige music or my defiant music i think it might be one of if not the best kind of um entrance straight up entrance songs that i've ever done and basically the idea was um believe it or not the song is kind of based on um What's this song called again? Believe it or not, it's by Pitbull uh, and unfortunately Chris Brown. I uh, don't really want to put him over any at all. Uh, but um, it's that uh, New York City, I want to see. Oh, oh, yeah, International Love, that's it. And I just thought, man, this song is so lame and so cheesy, but it's kind of awesome at the same time. Again, don't want to put Chris Brown over at all. I hate the fact he's in it. But um, 
I'm sure they didn't write the song, but that song is an absolute beast. And I was, and that's kind of what the start part of it is based on. And then I was like, but I want to have like this epic walkout. And it's like, how do I go from that to having like this epic kind of queen, like um, we are the champion style kind of epic walkout. So the challenge was, how do we have like a sort of high tempo um sort of EDM style intro and then get it into a kind of classic rock space which is running about half the speed and it was a huge challenge and I didn't know if that was going to be possible so what I did was I demoed it at home and I was like oh I still don't know if it's working then I used this studio in Glasgow called Green Door Studios which is a great space um, but I did the vocals before any of the main instruments. I just sang it over my demo and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is working. And then me and Neil went to work on it in his studio and basically I've kind of played, I played the guitars. Um, he did he did the, the programming. Um, but I, I played the bass and the guitar and the vocals. He was uh, on hand. We were kind of co... He engineered it. We co-produced it. So it was a, um, a great project. And it seemed to work. And then, so not only I've done the demo, I've written the song, which took months. Like, not months, maybe weeks. And I really started working on it, I think, um, when I filmed the hype video for my um, Ring of Honor debut. And what happened was, there was the the music in that. It's kind of like, you know, it's just very like kind of that Hollywood, Hans Zimmer style stuff that myself and Neil were working on. And there was this guitar line that was stuck in my head there. The one that's um, in, in my song. And that just kept playing in my head over and over and over and over again. And see when you're recording something, when you just... Now, this wasn't played over the top of it. I thought, man, I wish we'd have put that solo on top. That would have been great. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. I was walking around the house um, and Sophie ended up getting it in her head because I was doing it so much. And I was like, man, if this is so infectious, this is there's something to this. And it, that because originally I just wanted to do this kind of EDM thing, which had the hand clapping and the, I believe in Joe Hendry. But I was like, this riff is speaking to me. It's permeating through my brain. We need to get this in it. And that's why it's kind of split into like two different songs. So then I started listening to songs which had tempo changes in them. So I was listening to Bohemian Rhapsody. I was listening to Jesus of Suburbia because that had like so many different parts. At different. I was listening to um, Muse, uh, Knights of Cydonia, any song that had like clear separate sections to see, you know, is this possible? And that took weeks of when I was in the gym just having these songs on repeat and saying, well, if they did that, maybe I could do this. And I think people just need to realize that one thing that Sophie said about kind of uh, dating me is she said that, you know, from the outside, it looks like you do all these songs and the entrances and stuff like that. And it just seems like it's kind of like this effortless, fun thing you do. Nobody sees the painstaking process that you go through to get these things. And that is what it comes down to. It's not really talent, folks. There's not, it, you know, okay, I've... I've kind of got it to a point where I've amassed some skills, but it's really the time. It's the hours put in. I've put in so many hours trying to come up with this stuff. And I know that at this point, I feel personally, just just my opinion, I think, as a kind of solo writer, like I, I write all the stuff. Uh, like I say, myself and Neil collaborate on the, the engineering and the production and the programming. But I write all this stuff and I'm thinking to myself, I feel like my goal is to be the best wrestling musician. That That is my goal. 
And don't get me wrong, there's there's awesome competition out there, but that is my goal. And I feel like when I'm firing on all cylinders, I can get there. That's that's the goal. Uh, but I don't think people realize how much work actually goes into that. Um, then, after all the music was done and it was produced, and like I said, by this point, I've spent hundreds getting into this point. That's another thing people don't realize. The amount, as for my, my ring gear, including the jacket, I'm not going to tell you how much it was, but it was... Uh, if I think back to when I've had jobs, when I think of, actually, if you include all the money that I spent on uh, the the wrestling gear that I had, the jacket, the music, the the videos, the, everything that I got together, you're talking a couple of months' salary. You're talking a couple of months' salary. And that's bills are going on in the background and all that. But you know what? When you believe in something, you have to, you have to invest in it. You have to invest in it, and that's what I'm willing to do, and that's what we've always been willing to do, uh, that investment in the long term. It's never been about the short-term payoff for me. Um, but yeah, when I think back to when I had kind of, you know, um, minimum wage jobs and stuff like that, you'd be talking a couple of months' salary, um, which is, that's that's a lot to drop on something like that. But when you believe in it, you have to push it forward 100%. So like I say, when, when all the music's done, then... Um, I get together with Jake and I'm saying, and luckily he helped me out because I was kind of stressing out because all this was had to be done within a certain time and it was just so time consuming to get all this stuff right because like say, if you if that's going to be my main entrance music, sure there's going to be custom entrances from time to time. I did one on the last uh, loop of shows that I did, but um this is going to be my main music. It has to be right. It has to be absolutely on the money. So I knew I was just going to have to work my ass off to get it to where it needed to be. So I was running out of time and I get to, I drive through Edinburgh to meet with Jake and I'm late and the sun's going down. So we don't have much time at all. So at this point, um, we go up to Arthur's seat and I've got my kilt from the Commonwealth Games and the white t-shirt and we're just filming these ridiculous shots of me playing guitar on Arthur's seat. And Jake, being as skilled as he is, thankfully the sun came out for just a little bit longer. It wasn't as bright as it could have been, but um, I, when I was editing it using uh, Premiere Pro uh, on my PC, was able to use some of the amazing kind of lighting effects and after effects and all that to get it to look like it was a bit brighter than it was. But so me and Jake went up and did that. And then when we got back and we collected all those shots, we got back to uh, our dad's house and we uh, got the green screen up um, and I was wearing this kind of black turtleneck thing because I just thought, I really just want it to be my face. And if I make the green screen black, then hopefully that'll just look like it's my face. But you can kind of see the turtleneck. But that was the idea. Um, and then we just had shots of me like turning to camera, like kind of Zoolander style, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and the clapping and all that, because if you saw about audience interaction, it was kind of we need to show that and waving of the hands and that sort of stuff. And so we did that and mixed in uh, with. So I got collected all the audio, collected all the footage, got it back to the lab. The room I'm sitting in right now, the PC I'm looking at right now, collected all that stuff and I sat my ass down for an insane amount of hours and edited it all together. And editing's a really hard thing to do. It's you have to make a decision and go, why are you it's it's to be honest, it's like a great story, like a great match or a great song. When you pick a certain scene, it's like William Regal says, you know, if you if 
make everything mean something or don't bother doing it. So I did that with every scene. I was like, you know, I uh, if it's if we're going to do the scene of me turning to camera, let's not confuse it with anything else. Actually, not only that, um, you may notice there's kind of graphics, uh, the, the graphics of my name. Like at the start, I had this vision of uh, my name in lights and uh, Chris Thompson helped me with that, uh, who's worked with me with a lot of stuff on uh, what culture and defiance stuff. Um, he uh, helped me with that. So this was a real collaborative project. If you include the um, the the team so uh there was william who made the jacket there's vicky who did did my wrestling gear um there's um uh i think it's uh, called black country gear um they did my kick pads you've got neil i was working with on the music you've got the guys at green door studio i was working with jake um i was working with um so that's the, I'm trying, I was working with Chris and I don't want to miss anybody out but that's up to seven already you know just getting this together so um, I edited it all down got it to a point where I was happy with it sent it off and there it is and uh, Ring of Honor you know are awesome with uh, letting the talent express themselves and so I've been able to use that that music um, not only that I did uh, an entrance music for it was myself and Dalton Castle versus Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal and we had this song where um, I'm basically going you know Dalton I, hey listen Dalton uh, I realised we, we got off to the wrong we got off on the wrong foot here but I've made some awesome tag team music Wait, can't wait for you to hear it so Dalton's making his entrance I interrupt him I come out and it's Joe Hendry and friends featuring Joe Henry and some guy. So, you know, it was similar, like, I, quite inspired by the and Joseph Connors video idea. So that was a lot of fun. But see, for both of those songs, here's the here's what's interesting. The bit in my song, which is like, London and Paris and Tokyo, America, Scotland and Canada and Mexico. When I used to be in a band, we used to joke that like oh man you know if we wanted to get famous all we have to do is just like create a song just naming as many places as pop as possible and saying baby as many times as we can so started singing that song the london and paris and tokyo but for years and we're going probably back to like 2012 i think maybe even 2011 that joke with me and my friends and i'm thinking that is kind of catchy. And then I thought, you know what? Well, that's exactly what Joe Hendry would do. This kind of motivational speaker, that sort of type of person, that's exactly what they would do. So I thought I did it. And I was like, man, this is really working. And also the Joe Hendry and Friends featuring Joe Hendry and some guy. Um, I was, uh, when I was in Orlando with What Culture, the whole team were in like this kind of big jacuzzi and we we all had a this is back when I, I used to drink and we had a uh we had some beers and I remember we like I just started going bruise in the jacuzzi and that just became the the thing for the the well I guess it was a bit of a holiday really when I think about it we were wrestling but you know uh, it was good times as well but my point is uh both those songs came from just joking around with uh, me and friends so <laughs> joe henry and friends but like if you read the rocks book it's the same thing the stuff he used in his promos was the stuff that entertained his friends 
And I think that's something that we often forget about too much. It's like, look, if it's like Steve Austin says, if it's if it's making the people in the truck laugh, it's probably going to translate on the show as well. So it's there is a balance. You don't want to have jokes that are too insidery or anything like that. But if you have like jokes that made your friends at school or college or university laugh, chances are it, it might make them laugh in this in in this format as well in the pro wrestling arena, if you will. And again, those are two kind of I basically built something on top of two organic jokes that I had made way earlier in my life, but they stuck with me because they were catchy. And I think that's the thing. Uh, if I could criticize myself in one way, it would be sometimes I try too hard to get the reaction, you know? But it, isn't it interesting that the stuff that tends to work is the stuff that is organically entertaining to your friends and your family? Shock horror, but there you go. I'm going to leave you with this. There's a clip I want you to watch, um, and I'm going to find it for you in my phone just now. Uh, again, if you're a fan of Bar Rescue, it's my favorite show at the moment. It's absolutely amazing. Absolute favorite show right now. Totally addicted to it. But this guy, John Taffer, um, who goes in and he kind of refurbishes all these bars and uh, brings them to uh, a point of success from, you know, and he apparently has a 77% uh, success ratio, which for these shows is absolutely amazing. Um, but let me just find this here so I can tell you the exact clip that you need to watch. Uh, but basically, I found it was... Uh, so it's watch John Taffer's unforgettable talk about eviscerating excuses. So just put in John Taffer's unforgettable talk, right? And if you go on that, uh, it is about... I'll tell you exactly when it is. It is, because I took a screenshot of it. Um, it happens at... 16 minutes. Skip to, skip to 16 minutes on this clip. And basically, John Taffer starts talking about, he's like, when, when you're working in a restaurant, he's like, when you bring out a burger or you bring out a whatever piece of food or drink it is, he said, what is the, is it a product? Is it the service? What, what here, what is it that you're selling? And he's like, you can bring out like the best meal in the world, but if the customer doesn't react to it, if there's no reaction then it hasn't really done anything. He says, I'm in the business of reactions. He's like, I'm not, I don't do products and services. He says, I do reaction. I'm working to get that customer reaction. And then he starts to go on this five minute rant about how business uh, in, in all forms is just about generating reactions and working on getting those reactions. And it's unbelievable about how closely this, uh, this talk parallels with what it takes to get over in pro wrestling so if you have any interest in being a pro wrestler or if even hey if you have any interest in being a better business person or getting ahead in you know in that industry or any industry for that matter go check out john taffer's talk um on uh unforgettable talk on eviscerating excuses so there you go. Um, definitely go check that out. And watch Bar Rescue as well. It is awesome. So that's today's episode. We're just going to tell you, you got to celebrate the little victories. Um, I was also giving you some insight into the work that goes into what I'm doing, but it's all underpinned by stuff that is organically funny or or if you're not a, you know, a comedy wrestler or you involve comedy in what you do, organically entertaining to your friends. That's the stuff that you want to focus on. So I hope you've enjoyed this. This has been How to Become a Pro Wrestler. Before we go, people, I do want to give a shout out to all of our amazing uh, patrons. So if you bear with me a second, 
um, I will do that. Uh, I'll tell you what I'll do, actually. Um, I should have done that at the, the front of the podcast, and I'm a terrible person for not doing that. So I'm going to do now is I'm going to record that at the front of the podcast so you can go right at the front. Um, but thank you very much to all our Patreon supporters. Uh, I have been the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, and I shall see you next time.